Hello and welcome to the RTU Soccer Podcast Daily World Cup Edition. Mikey Stafford joined by John Bruin and Connor Neville to sift over the ashes of the day when the dream died for the two teams from the Far East. Uh, Japan really, really, really impressed uh, in going down on penalties to 2018 finalist Croatia. South Korea, you could say, really, really surprised in how they just lay down and uh, welcomed on Brazil, who scored four goals in the first half and and won four one one easily. John, are we ha- have we seen the performance of the twenty twenty two World Cup champions there this evening? Do you think? Um, I'm not sure about that because I think we've seen these poor performances before from Brazil. Uh, they're very good uh, at the old flat track bully. Uh, and the flat track was offered to them, it has to be said, uh, by the Koreans. Um, I'm not sure there was much examination of, of, of how good they are. But having said that, you know, obviously, the attacking flares there and um, the goal from uh, Richarlison in particular, I think when uh, is it Thiago Silva steps forward and plays the pass through, you're looking at you know your, your total football models, that's going to be... Um, well, should should should, uh, should the youth of today have a, such a thing as 101 great goals? That's the type of thing that would have you know feature in it because it was delightful stuff. But they yeah, Brazil Brazil looked good. Um, over here in the UK, uh, we have the benefit of Roy Keane's analysis, uh, and uh, I, I tend to agree with him uh, that they were a little bit satisfied with themselves. I think the dancing, the jig, was the word he used for it. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, the thing is. Uh, if that was the Premier League that Roy Keane played in and someone did that in the first half, then half of the Brazilian team would not be playing next week because it had taken a right hammering off the opposition. But the Koreans are very respectful in a way that I I was quite surprised by. And the Koreans pretty much let them win. Listen, uh, Brazil remain the favourites with good reason. Um, I'm not sure what was put in front of them tonight. Yeah, Connor, here in Ireland... We uh we have the benefit of Didi Hamann who kind of seemed seemed to agree with Roy Keane and it comes down on the side of the uh the the adults in Footloose when it comes to dancing. <laughs> fine reference there, fine reference. I'm not. It's a bit before my time, possibly. But uh, yeah, what's not before my time, by the way, is 101 great goals. I did actually have one of those cassettes back in the mid 90s. Really? In, in my one, there were actual penalties in it, so I'm not sure how great some of the goals. No, DD had much the same anxieties as Roy Keane. I mean, I, I suppose he comes from the, the similar era, and yeah, he 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 was. The narrative, I think, is being written that Brazil's uh, overconfidence now is going to cost them down the line. Didi said something along the lines of, you know, we'll, we'll see if you're dancing in two weeks type thing. And yeah. that, 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 that is kind of the narrative that's been spun, that they, they overdosed a bit in the first half. Um, I thought that, they, I mean, they still could have added more goals in the second half. I mean, Rafinha had a great chance. Danny Alves at the end had a, had a spectacular attempt. But uh, yeah, they seemed, they seemed a bit self-satisfied. Uh, the manager getting involved in the jig was obviously, uh, yeah, that was that was more, uh, that, that incited more angry comment, I think. Uh, angry comment more than anything. Yeah, um, I suspect they, yeah, I, I tend to agree with John that, this, this is the type of game they really flourish in. And we, we don't, where Brazil have stumbled in the last few World Cups have been up against European opposition when it's really, when it's, they've, it's, they've really had their feet put to the fire and can they respond? And, I mean, you know, I'm not sure we, 
And in the first half, you were minded to get carried away, but on reflection, you know, I'm not sure we learned too much. We we have seen this before. As, as, yeah, as it, it is, John. It, it's all going quite comfortably for them, I suppose. As Connor says, the feet definitely out to the fire, and they brought on their third choice goalkeeper, Weverton. Weverton. I'm I'm not gonna not gonna. Great name. Great. Yes, name. Uh, he, he came on to so the first team. First team in history to use their every 26 play all 26 players in wow. their squad, which is a nice bit of history, but it speaks to Connor's point that they're not they haven't exactly been stress tested. No, no, I think actually France can do that. Uh, if they bring on Alphonse Areola, uh, but that would obviously mean them being about 4 0 up against England. So, uh, as a, as a proud patriot, not really, uh, I don't want to see that, but yes, um, yeah, uh. Yeah, it has been. I mean, look, we remember they did lose a group game. They lost a game to Cameroon. You know, it's not been totally plain sailing for them. They've had their injury. Um, I'm not sure uh, they'd be missing Alex Tellez, uh, having watched him play at Old Trafford. But um, I think Gabriel Jesus is a type of player that you'd miss. Mm. Uh, it offers a different dimension. Um, and actually, uh, it wasn't really at the centre. I mean, he obviously scored a penalty. Neymar, I'm just not, still not sure. I mean, is anyone sure about Neymar? I mean, that's that's the whole point of Neymar, right? It's the, that that we don't. It, I, I mean, how long have we been talking about Neymar since about 2010, 2011, something like that? And we still haven't got to the bottom of Neymar. And this is it is suggested that, that our final chance to get to the bottom of Neymar. I don't think did 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 they play better because he was in the team? I'm not even sure I know the answer to that question. You think they're playing him as a like according to the FIFA team graphics, he's playing as the the third man in a three man midfield. Like what kind of what? twisted <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you look at the official graphic, Neymar is down right. as like he's he's playing in the midfield uh alongside Casemiro and um I got out of my head. But yeah, he's um he's one of the three in midfield according to their um yeah, according to the graphic, which is obviously a nonsense um yes he's, he's clearly not a midfielder but maybe this this is how he's styling himself i personally don't like what is neymar i think connor is a fair question and the one that maybe there's many answers to at the beginning of his career he seemed to be anointed to join the uh messi ronaldo sort of oh. that that class of player he was kind of the third uh the third leg of that or whatever and uh hasn't really happened he never did he never really did anything to justify that standing i don't think and his subsequent career hasn't either no he has he has been a very good player I'm, i i started to heard, heard a stat there that he's the third brazilian to score in three world cups no, I, I i was surprised at that but um yeah so yeah like obviously an excellent forward but he, he he's never justified early hype and i suppose that's why the narrative about him is so negative the whole time because he was supposed to be that if he had a different if he had a different start to his career and was uh, assessed more accurately maybe we wouldn't look at him in that in that light i sometimes think but uh yeah yeah he's a child he's played in a frustrating brazilian era as well you know yeah i think i think he's he's carried them before but i i think it's also almost at the point if if they win this world cup with neymar and the team I don't think that transfers him over to the greatness that was bestowed on him at the start of his career. It's always been, well, he was a good player and he won the World Cup. Should he arrive at that? I just, I just don't get it. I mean, you know, I've seen him play several times. I saw him play in 2014 for Brazil, where he did carry them until he got that injury. Um, and I've seen him play for PSG and uh, you know Barcelona. 
the talent's there, but um, you know the, the, the echelon you placed him in there, Connor. He's not in. Well, I didn't place him in there. I, I said no, he. You, you said that yes, of course. No, yes, yeah. but the the, the the one that uh, he's was headed for was yeah. was the idea. He, he's never got there, has he? And you know the the, the other player uh, of this World Cup is Kylian Mbappe. Now it's not really much of a contest between those two no. club colleagues when it comes to this World Cup. Yeah, Neymar is just a, is a great Im, imponderable, um, and uh, I, I, I'm. I don't know. He's good at the dancing. That's that appears to be what he's there for. Uh, I think you're being kind there. Basically, that that, that first dance, which seems to have raised everyone, was was basically a macarena, as far as I can see. <laughs> I I Connor for one hold the Brazilians to higher standards than a macarena when it comes to a goal celebration. Are you a scholar of their of their? Dancing and celebrations of the past. Ah, well, the one we all remember. Ninety-four years. Barbados, we remember really, isn't it? And that was, that was pretty simple, like rocking a pretend baby because his wife had just had a baby. And uh, I know it wasn't rocking. It's all science. about living up to an image now, you know, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's all we're all yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your ditty is showing there. I'm afraid, Connor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. The, yeah, so the, the the logic the logic is there on the the easier side of the draw, John, which is um, means maybe the feet won't be held to the fire just yet because what we saw earlier in the day was was quite surprising to most. I did predict a two two draw and Croatia on penalty, so I'm pretty chuffed with myself on that okay. front. Um, but Japan are just a fantastic team, I think, and like I don't yeah. think I don't think Croatia embarrassed themselves or anything like that. No, no. Um, I, I think Japan. Um, it's sad, isn't it, that it ends at the second round at the same stage that Japan would consider par. Uh, but I, I've, you know, they beat Spain, they beat Germany, uh, two amazing matches for which the the first round should be recalled for. Um, and then in that game, it felt to me as if it, it felt to me as if they were gonna. In those other games, what's happened is at half time they've just sort of gone from the B of the bang at the second half, and it felt like they went the other way from the start of the first half to try and win the game that way. Now, Croatia are canny operators. Now, if you compare uh, the performance of Croatia at World Cups to, say, Germany, a country not too far away uh, and much bigger, I mean, they continue to punch above their weight, um, they continue to show the know how. Um, when it got to the penalty shootout, well, I don't think anyone fancied Japan really, did they? And I'm not sure what, why that is, though I do recall from personal experience attending their game uh, against Paraguay in 2010. Um, and that was th- probably the worst match I've ever been to. <laughs> uh, but, you know, one of those games where, uh, and I don't condone betting in any way, but uh, I-, I put the bet on nil-nil after about two minutes, you know, in running bet. Because it was so obvious, and and yet it was clear that they feared the penalty and that they feared the penalty shootout so much, and that appeared to be what happened here. And again, Japan stepped up towards the end of that that heart at this of, of the extra time, and then we got to the penalty shootouts. Minamino takes the first one, and oh dear, we sort of knew what was going to happen yeah. from that point on, didn't we? We certainly did, and. Um... Fair, fair play to the Croatian goalkeeper uh, Livakovic, who's oh, still brilliant. playing yeah. at home uh, with uh, Red Star. I think is he? Uh, no, sorry, that would be the wrong country. He is. <laughs> he's. Um, 
That would be that's a bad mistake to make. I won't. You're I living know. in the pre uh, pre ninety two dispensation there. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not going to get it. We're, we're not going to get into that. He is still playing in his home league, and um, you'd wonder for how long because you know one thing that catches an eye: it's a goalkeeper saving three penalties in a in a World Cup uh, knockout game. Um, but but on Japan, sorry, I digress. I've actually while you were talking, I went back into the FIFA football data platform because I didn't want. Yeah, I want. I had to check. According to FIFA's um, layout of the Brazil team, they play three in midfield, which is Casemiro, Paqueta, and Neymar. And, wow. uh, yeah, there you go with Rafinha, <laughs> Rafinha, Richarlison, and Vinicius Jr. up front. So I, I think they're being kind in saying that Brazil play a 4-3-3, but really Brazil, Brazil play a 4-1-5, I think. Casemiro is basically the midfield. Um, but yeah, I'm not going mad. I knew that was there. Um, Going back to Japan, Connor, um, I saw a few people on social media and Twitter kind of during the game when it was very much in in the balance kind of saying, just commenting on how, how uh, the referee seemed to be like a jolly good sort and he was like refereeing with a certain kind of elan and the kind of, you know, kind of laughing and smiling with the players. I actually think this is the Japan effect. I think Japan are so respectful to their opponents and they're so not easygoing. They desperately want to win, but they certainly have a certain philosophy about the game. I think it impacts on the team they're playing against. I think I think having Japan in the in tournament a negative way. No, in a positive way. I think I think uh, other teams kind of uh, they, they 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 don't I don't know if Brazil would have danced the way they danced against Japan. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe if Japan gave well, if Japan rolled over after five minutes they probably would have. But Japan seemed to bring the best out in the opposition, as far as I can see. It's interesting. You're you're saying Japan are bringing a rugby spirit to the world. <laughs> what you're suggesting. Viral clips of Mike Malone's <laughs> when Japan play. Uh yeah, uh the Japan games have been excellent, yeah. I mean, I well, the, for the Spain game, I was kind of watching uh, Germany Costa Rica, but today's game was 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 very exciting. I wasn't that surprised at all. Japan went ahead. I mean, I was, I had a nose that if there was going to be a surprise uh, in the second round, that might be it. Um, if you could call it a surprise, a very modest surprise, if if, if Japan had come out on top and given they'd already beaten two sort of bigger nations, um, Croatia are very much, I think, in. There's a kind of survive and advance quality to them. They're, they're digging in. They're they're just hanging in there. I mean, they they could have lost to Belgium. You know, the, the Lukaku numerous chances at the end. They look very good against the Canadians when they got into their groove. They were obviously uh, annoyed by something the Canadian manager said, but they're they're yeah. They're, it, it was a fa- fascinating stat I heard that Croatia have never uh, not since '98 I believe have they won a knockout game in normal time. Yeah, which seems uh, remarkable for a country that's got to a World Cup final in that time. And it shows a kind of deep resilience about them. Um, you, they're very slick passers. You know, Modric is, is, is there. They, they, there's a great tradition uh, and their, their midfield is superb. But there's a there's a real know-how in, in these sort of uh, and a doggedness in, in these tight situations that enables them to get through. I mean, you know, the semi-final four years ago is a classic example of that. And you know, they will test Brazil. I mean, you'd imagine Brazil should have enough to beat them, but I I I it's the kind of they're the kind of opposition that um could make life awkward for Brazil, I'd say, in a way that South Korea weren't it. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um uh, probably full knowing full well that uh Dynamo Zagreb's Dominic Lakovic 
Uh, the computer. The, yes. Google's really helping me out this season. Probably even full knowledge that he was going <laughs> to um, he was going to save their bacon in in the in the um, in the uh, shootout. John, the manager, he took off Modric. He took off Perisic. Yeah, it, I can. Yeah, uh, and ballsy, you might well. say. Yeah, I mean, and Kovacic, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, and uh, when we talk about playing Brazil, um, it's in midfield where I mean, obviously that's Croatia's strong point. Um, and if they're just going to play Casemiro as a midfielder, um, they could have problems because um, Modric has met well. Modric and Casemiro, obviously, club colleagues for many years. Um, but uh, they, um, Modric will have the know-how against playing against uh, uh, midfielders, midfielders of that quality. Uh, again, uh, Lucas Paqueta, who I've seen play for West Ham. Well, I say play, I've seen him on the field, uh, <laughs> not do much, but um, I, I've, again, I've not got to the bottom of him either. Um, that's where Croatia can cause them problems. Clearly the coach thought, that well, he thought he was going to win on penalties, which is you know, amazing. Great confidence. Um, but of course, Modric is 37. He can't play uh, 120 minutes. If you want to get further, you want to get to the semifinals, you have to take that risk. Now, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, uh, in this country, in England, uh, people still talk about uh, Alf Ramsey taking off Bobby Charlton in 1970 uh, for and, you know removing your creative force. Yet they had the balls to do it. They got away with it, um, and um, I, you couldn't say that it'd be well rested. But uh, yeah, Croatia are the type of team that could that could uh, give Brazil a problem. They're going to be a bit more physical than South Korea, that's for sure. Um, and you know, we've seen that they have a mastery of the dark arts, um, and they've got to they've got to teams, and also they have that fierce belief that. If the game goes into the to the to the dark hours, uh, they can get it done because, as Connor said, they have this record of getting that far. Um, not easy for Brazil. Um, the, their overconfidence they could do be putting that to one side. I suggest. Yeah, um, John is completely discounting famed water carrier Neymar there in the middle of the field. <laughs> the new day jump. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few Brazilian players that are perplexing us this evening. You know? oh. There's a yeah. question mark hanging over several of them. Yeah, but um, Croatia have uh, they did uh, that's that's fascinating. All right, they never won in ninety minutes uh, since nineteen ninety eight. But they they just seem like a very clever team, kind of. Though they kind of not not that they know what they need to, to do to win. Obviously, they wanted to win that match in normal time. But you watch them. Like they they're very well coached. They have a system, and they have excellent players in in all the important positions. You know, even some of them who we might consider at club level are a bit past their best, but they are they're they are a good team. Like a few teams at this tournament, they're probably what you might describe as aging a little bit. But um, so it'll be interesting. They're kind of the old dogs for the hard road versus the um all singing, all dancing, no midfield Brazilians. Yeah. That group they were in with Belgium was really a sort of retirement home. That group, uh, <laughs> really, wasn't it? I mean, I, no, they, yeah, they. When when Japan went ahead, there was a sort of you kind of got the sense of almost of destiny about this. This is going to be one of those um, remarkable runs akin to South Korea in two thousand. I don't know why I picked that example, but but akin to one of these these runs that uh, underdogs go on, and Croatia could have feared the worst. But they, they there's a cussedness and a and a 
a tactical acumen to them. And Modric, I suppose, is key to that. He's so experienced. You know, he never gives the ball away. He's able to sort of take the sting out of games, change the pace of games. And they, they, they hang in there. They got their goal, Perisic, who has been uh, very good in, in most of the games. Um, he, he, got the, he got the goal. And, the, you know, they have this cussedness and intelligence about the team. You know, on, on, in terms of pure flamboyance, Brazil could, you know, Brazil would be counting on overwhelming them. But I wouldn't be that confident they'll do it. I the time they've come up against European a European nation like that, Belgium 2018, Germany 14. Holland 10, they've been, they've been taken out. So, yeah. you know, looking to against Croatia the next time out, you know. I mean, it, there's a perception they have the easy side of the draw. I suppose they do compared to what's on the other side. But, uh, you know, there's still some uh, scorpions out there on their side. Uh, absolutely. Um, so looking at the matches tomorrow, John, um, you're a uh, seasoned watcher of, of Manchester United. Um, so I just, I just wondered... Mm-hmm. Did you allow yourself a little chuckle or just a little uh, nod of kind of recognition when you saw kind of what uh, Fernando Santos was being asked at the Portugal press conference today and the answers he was giving, you know, basically a manager having to, you know, show that they're in control of Cristiano Ronaldo while also trying very hard not to scold him in a press conference for behaving like a child? I, I can't actually remember a tournament in which Ronaldo's future was not the main discussion of uh, topic for the manager. I mean, go back to Scolari, you know, who is a fairly uh, punchy old operator, uh, and would have to talk about would Real Madrid buy him this summer, and you know, is it, it's the Ronaldo show. And and the funny thing is about this is that Portugal in this World Cup have actually shown that there's a lot more to them than Ronaldo. Um, and Bruno Fernandes has come to the party, been very, very good. Um, and they've got, uh, OK, uh, like everybody, there is the odd uh, creaking of age. Uh, Pepe's reappearance always uh, uh, would indicate that. But I, 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 they're a decent team. Uh, and we always wonder, don't we, at this point, are they a good, would they be a better team without Ronaldo? But we can't have that just yet and I'm hoping that this is the last World Cup that we have to discuss that and I'm sure Fernando Santos thinks that though presumably he is reaching the end of his time um, but yeah I, I Portugal are hard to love and I think that's because of one man really and also actually having said that um, Portugal are uh, well there's this idea isn't there uh, the, the Brazil of Europe the talent chain out of that out of uh, that you know um a lot of it is to do actually with um, the agents involved who are very canny, getting these players across Europe. Um, every seems to be just about every team has a young Portuguese star. Um, and yet they're not that exciting. They have a very conservative style of play. Fernando Santos, uh, you know, makes Roy Hodgson look like Alzi Ardiles or something. It's a real... You wonder, um, we English always talk about the handbrake for Gareth Southgate. What would the handbrake be like if they released it for the Portugal team? And I I don't know because I don't think we've ever seen it. This is how they get the job done. This is how they got the job done in 2016. That's the formula. Um, and they're up against Switzerland, uh, who I think are quite decent. But then again, uh, one of these teams like Japan, like Mexico used to be, the second round is this 
is this abyss into which they fall. Yeah. Two two shots on target against Uruguay, Connor, and, and two goals for, for Portugal. They are incredibly efficient. And when you when you kind of look at the the attacking talent they have, you know, Bruno Fernandes, Joe Felix, you know, Bernardo, Fernando Silva, uh, Joe Cancelo, you know, the most lethal fullback in world football, possibly. Um, it does seem slightly like they're playing, they're playing within themselves and they're coming up against yeah. a Swiss team who I, I really like Switzerland because I just think they're, um, they're actually to, to the old cliche of being kind of reliably Swiss, Swiss and, you know, Rod, 11 Roger Federer's, they're, they're actually becoming quite entertaining and they've got they've got quite a they've got quite a, a nice style to them and they've been involved in a couple of chaotic games so I, I'm, I'm getting on board this the Swiss um, hype train there myself was, there was a World Cup uh, some years ago where they managed to get to the second round I think with either scoring one goal or no goals at all 2006 yeah yeah the, the, the Jory and Senderos years, yeah, yeah. The, was it no goals or was it one goal? I, I, I can't recall. <laughs> I, think they, I think they went out on penalties nil-nil to Ukraine, didn't they, in the yeah, second round, yeah. Yeah. No, they seem, I mean, clearly, the, the Serbia game they were involved with was, in a, was a, a humdinger, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a lot of uh, debate in, in RT about showing Brazil and Cameroon instead of it, and I think that was it was centered the brazil factor made the decision and then there was a lot of a lot of people asking how you get onto the rt news channel which i think is <laughs> for to watch switzerland and serbia but yeah uh, fantastic and um very consistent in, in at least in terms of uh, achievement not how they've done it uh, we saw in the Euros the manner in which they overcame France, and that's kind of the sense that France are a bit cavalier, and maybe that that'll give uh, England a chance. But yeah, the the uh, um, the Swiss definitely uh, they seem to have more potent weapons than they have in the past uh, going forward. Um, I, I Portugal's um, conservatism um, obviously it stretches back to Euro 2016 when they won the Euros in a very um, sort of um, Forgettable is a word you could use. Sir. Forgettable defensive <laughs> fashion. I mean, you know, and they they had blown it famously when they hosted it some years ago, some years uh, in two thousand and four, I think, and then ended up winning it with a very hum in a, a, a cons- comparatively humdrum outfit. I think won it in twenty sixteen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they, uh, yeah, I mean, and they've continued in that vein. Same manager is still there. They were very dependent on Ronaldo, a bit less so now, obviously. As he's aging, Bruno Fernandes is influential, and of course, did score both those goals against Uruguay, I believe. But uh, they, uh, you say that they were actually quite. Um, the the Ghana game they played was actually in the second half was incredibly end to end, and they could have scored possibly down to the fact that Ghana are so uh, um, open at the back, and Portugal were able to exploit that every time they went forward. Mm-hmm. So they have that in their locker. Portugal, Switzerland is very hard to call. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily trust Portugal to get a to get it done against a team as consistent as you say as, as the Swiss are and who know what they're about as much as the Swiss do so uh, I'd say that that there's a fair chance that could go the distance possibly into extra time and maybe further yeah John the other game John I you know I I I, I find us talking about Cristiano Ronaldo and I kind of think how we're talking about Neymar and how they're kind of perhaps kind of you know kind of albatrosses almost around the neck of their teams to an extent with their with the site with their status and the kind of the 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 kind of probably the control they have over a lot of their teammates um, and then you look at a couple of other superstars and Mbappe and Messi who seem to have a slightly more positive um, 
kind of relationship with her team. And then I think about the Morocco Spain game and how you're you're really looking at you've really got two teams here, haven't you? You've got like this yeah. this is a Spain team without without a superstar, you'd have to say yes. There's probably <laughs> there's a couple of uh there's a couple of embryonic superstars in there, but they're not that yet. And Morocco are a team where arguably their two most famous players are their full backs. Um but this I think could be a, a like a real afternoon delight tomorrow. I think this could be a, a very very close game. I don't know how you see it. Yeah, I, I do think so. Um, and and it feels like uh, Africa and also the the region. Uh, that you know, Qatar. I mean, it's not that close, but you know, of that Arabic nation mm. thing from this, and obviously Spain and Morocco um, are very close to each other, of course, and there is a rivalry there, or there there could be beef between the two um and yeah that's a very good point you, you make mikey is that these are teams as opposed to a superstar collection like brazil that we spoke about or um uh, ronaldo's one-man mission to uh make himself the only person worth anything in a team of actual megastars but yeah yeah and 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 spain spain interests me because uh that game against Japan, which I I, I did uh, did watch, they th- there are certain points in matches where they just seem to have the opposition completely and utterly strangled, uh, and then just don't kill them off, uh, and um, they are reliant on Alvaro Morata, who is an excellent player in Spain, yet still I, I would question his reliability. Um, and do you, the Spain they remind me of is not the Spain, the, the golden era under uh, Vicente del Bosque and uh, Luis Aragonés. They remind me of the Spain before that. Do you remember in the era when Spain were everyone's dark horses and they played the nicest football and yet they get done by somebody? This is the Spain I think we've got now because they're not quite there. Um, obviously, Gavi and Pedri, those, I think those are the nascent superstars you're referring to. Possibly Ansu Fati. There's a few others, of course. Um, but Morocco could fancy this, you know. Um, and uh, you, you, funny enough, one of the things about World Cups is that certain players who don't necessarily shine for their club, and in the case of uh, Ziyech, I, I know that, uh, well, I, I know well that he was very close to joining AC Milan in the summer, not offer the money to get him. He was, they were quite happy to let him go. He's a player that Chelsea have not seen the best of. But when these players play for the country, they really turn it on. And I do think this is an interesting fixture. If Japan can beat uh, Spain, I don't see why Morocco couldn't. That's another factor as well. Hmm. Um, Connor, for, for everything that's, that's you know, questionable and morally wrong about this World Cup, while it is in this part of the world, in the Arab world, there is part of most people, I think, who would probably like to see uh, an Arab nation make it into the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. They've got arguably the best support at the tournament. Like their, their, their matches outside of Argentina, their matches have been absolutely the most hopping. So um, that and the fact like it, it, if the line is we're here to grow the game, we're here to grow the game. Well, you know, a absolutely football mental like country like Morocco making the quarterfinals would would maybe be a tangible outcome. Yeah, I mean, it would pr- it would provide a, a bit of 
uh, color and sort of disruption to a quarterfinal lineup, which is looking quite predictable at this point. I mean, yeah, we're we're, we're not mm. going to have if unless Morocco win, we, you know, we won't really have a surprise uh, quarterfinalist. You could say, I mean, Portugal or Switzerland. No, it's it's basically how you would draw your bracket if you're going with form at the moment. <laughs> yeah, so you do like you do kind of By, yeah. The Swiss are no one's ideas of of you know romantic undertax, let's be fair here. Uh I would yeah, Morocco would would add a dash of of, of that into it. And I, you know that there's a real chance there. Um I would I would have suggested ba- more based on Morocco's form than Spain's form, given that they were they were so fantastic against uh Belgium, you know, really um they overwhelmed them and obviously there was questions over the the belgians togetherness and their sort of um mood at the time but morocco really exploited that and it was a it was a cracking second half performance and you know as you said the explosion of joy from the stand was was really palpable and you know this is kind of this feels like uh, their world cup more than anyone else's nearly um yeah they yeah of all the of all Apart from maybe Japan, Croatia, this is the game you might have earmarked for a shock. I mean, you know, Spain, they look like world beaters against Costa Rica. Um, they've sort of um, it's curdled a bit since then. And as, as John said, yeah, I watched, I kind of was flicking between obviously Japan and Spain and Germany, Costa Rica. And there was, there was, there was a sense there that Spain, they had all the ball for the last 25 minutes. Uh, but there was, there was, remarkably little penetration it went back to the old complaint about them uh, for much of the euros last year until they played very well against italy in the semi-final that you know there was this kind of um slightly lateral lateral sedate passing game where the you know didn't really seem to go anywhere now the, there was a question mark over how interested spain were in scoring late in the game particularly when it became apparent the germans were going to win after all um i don't know was there a brief burst of panic when costa rica went ahead <laughs> luis enrique said he didn't even know uh, that they were out at some point um but yeah so in, in that sense you know spain are not uh overly intimidating opponents this time around um don't think they're back to the 2008 2012 era you they, who knows? Could be building they, to it. Might be building to they, it. They could be building to it. But I, I, uh, yeah, this, this, this could be. It'll be an interesting. Given Morocco's form, this could be the one uh, that we get. A, we get an outlier in the yeah. final. Uh, it would be remiss of us, John, to uh, not ask you how uh, how yeah. all is going in Blighty after you know a okay. very very impressive second round performance. Uh, probably tempered by two things. Firstly, uh, the performance of Kylian Mbappe in the other second round game, and secondly, yes. um, the news of Raheem Sterling, which I think has probably taken a glass off it for for quite a lot of people. Uh, yes, the, the Raheem Sterling one. Uh, it, well, uh, that is a story that uh, I keep using this phrase. No one's really got to the bottom of. Seems to be sort of slightly uh, mixed reporting over that for initial reports, but there was a home invasion. Surrey police say it was a simple burglary. Um, the question is whether Raheem Sterling returned to the camp. I don't know what the answer to that question. Um, now, uh, I think last time I was with you, which was a couple of weeks ago, which feels like either yesterday or four years. I'm not really sure which. Um, we were just coming off the Iran game, hype very high, and then we had an oscillation to uh, the USA game, which was oh, this is England, uh, and then the Wales game restored some optimism. And then we're back up at that point. 
Um, and uh, I suppose the, the, the catalyst, the, the indicator of that is Jude Bellingham. At this point, the Jude Bellingham thing, we're into Michael Owen 1998. We're into <laughs> Wayne Rooney 2004. We're at that hype level. Uh, I must say. How's it 1990 even? Not quite. Well, do you know what? I, I Funny enough, I don't think, and, and I am old enough to recall, Gaza in 1990, the hype was not quite that level. And I think the tears were what made Gaza's reputation. Um, mm. he, did, he did play very well against the Netherlands. Funny enough, I did, I did a piece for the weekend uh, for the Observer about the Cameroon game where he was actually rubbish. Um, and yeah, he played well against uh, West Germany. I don't think Gaza's thing was more personal. I mean, he was a brilliant player, there's no doubt about that, of course. And it was, I think, we may be underrated the fact that we had an Englishman that could play as well as Lothar Mateus or whatever. But it was retrospective, is that what you're saying? I think so, slightly, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people people were surprised how good he was, even though he'd been a good player. In the, in the, we, we, he was we, a character as much as a footballer, yeah, yeah, yeah. And whereas, whereas with with and also Gascoigne was 23, I think, at the time, so a little bit older than the Rooney. He wasn't a teenager, and that's the thing. We're, we get very excited over this. And the thing is, Bellingham is a slightly different player to that sort of explosion, that explosiveness that we had from Owen and Rooney, where it's like, he's so good, he's so young. Whereas Bellingham looks like, unless things go wrong, and they always can, he could be this good for quite for a long time. He just seems to have so, so much talent. Um, though, weirdly enough... Um, I, I was over. Well, one thing is, I I checked this this morning. Uh, his dad is the same age as me, so that's you know that's a, a sobering thought. But um, we, we <laughs> I don't know. I I just think I, I think we, we're very excited to have that type of player, the type of player that in a would fit into any of the. You know, we talked about Brazil's no midfield. Even Neymar would perhaps consider that he might deign to uh, Bellingham playing like that. He's just such a talented player. Um, and then, and, you know, Harry Maguire had a slight wobble in that game, I'd say, mm -hmm. against Senegal and then got there. Um, but it was so easy. We haven't really, we don't really know how good England are yet. But one thing is, uh, we've become good at tournament football and Gareth Southgate's tournament record is much better than any other England manager at this point. Um so yeah, getting excited uh, and but France, what? Okay, mm. you chaps, tell me what you think of France. See, that, that, that's a yeah, kind of France. I think they're they're being kind of pinned as this kind of this one man team, which I think is a tad unfair. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. We we've mentioned it here before that they don't have the squad that they had four years ago because they've been absolutely decimated by injury, which is a problem. But I think he's not as good as Jude Bellingham, but I do think that Rabio is an excellent holding yes. an excellent holding midfielder. Actually Rabio Rabio has played superbly now. Yeah. So I I, I, I do think they are a team. But I do think that you can be a good team and still be overshadowed by having one like insanely talented confident force of nature in your team and yeah. they do have that actually i i thought mbappe was reasonably subdued for most of the polling game it was only the last uh, it was only after he scored his first goal that he kind of took well, he did set up the first one as well that's true that's true <laughs> so he, he's two goals and an assist i was still underwhelmed <laughs> <laughs> Goddard is very high standards john oh yeah actually <laughs> i think 
France, generally, I mean, you were minded to kind of think, well, you know, the last title defense they had was terrible, and they have a load of players out. Paul Pogba is gone, Kante is gone, Benzema is gone. Now, I heard someone suggest Benzema's absence, um, given that he has very poor relations with Giroud, I believe he may have said stuff about him, and that that might have that might be improving the harmony of the team. The team might function better with him not there, oddly enough, even though he's the Ballon d'Or winner. So France are, are yeah, they're, they're playing superbly. I mean, I think some, aside from Mbappe, I mean, I think Griezmann has been fantastic. Rabiot, you said, just looked very, very good, very solid there. I mean, the, the overall, I, I, they, there's, they're a bit more, I find them a bit better to watch than England. They're a bit slicker. They're a bit more able to, England, a lot of England's goals have arisen via counter-attacks, whereas I think France are more able to create just from off the hoof. Now, I know a lot of goals are scored via counter-attacks now, and the whole thing is rapid movement these days, but I I, I, I think France, have a bit, they're a bit more electric going forward. That being said, I think there's a cavalier streak in France, which we saw in the Euros, as I've noted, and I think, you know, in a one-off game, it wouldn't be at all shocking if England took them out now. Um, uh, uh, talking of Gresman, he he's got that Neymar uh, midfield role, hasn't he? That yeah, now, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is this is it. You know, star forwards are suddenly dropping, uh, like 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 Pirlo did. I think I think Philippe Claire compared it to that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I suppose with all these teams, you've got to fit your players in somehow, haven't you? Uh, and uh, that appears to be, uh, I mean, Deschamps. You know, it's been around again. It feels like forever. I mean, since. Euro 2016. Um, I think he was there in 14. He was. He was there in 14. You're absolutely right. Yeah, didn't. Yeah, they, they. I mean, then that was when Pogba made his breakthrough. Um, they've always had good players, and uh, you know they obviously won it last time. And uh, would you think that France have sort of underwhelmed despite only winning one World Cup? Uh, in, in that sense, because the talent they've had and then and Mbappe, they, we could obviously end up with Mbappe having won two World Cups by the age of 23. He is, I would suggest, the outstanding player at this World Cup, you know, setting aside Messi um, and a couple of others. Um, you know, you, you, he, he has something that the rest of the, that speed um, and also... Uh, that self-belief as well, I think, that he's got is something that I think very few other players haven't. He does seem to get on with Olivier Giroud. Now, those of us that reported on the Premier League 10 years ago, when, when Giroud arrived in English football, the fact that he is now France's record goal scorer, um, we could laugh and joke about him doing a givash back in 2018, but <laughs> he, was a, he was a key player. He is a very good player. Um, you know... He, he, the, the big man, the big striker, um, we talked about you know, Switzerland before, Ombolo. You know, th- those players are coming back in a bit, aren't they? Croatia have got a couple like that. Um, though you would suggest that England's central defenders are used to playing against a player like Giroud. Though he was a good Premier League player, though pretty, really underused towards the end of his time at Arsenal and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um one of those players that you might say, you know, is, has been a better international footballer at a certain part of his career than than he has as a club player, though he's yeah. also been excellent for AC Milan. So, yeah, excellent player. And, you know, and, and again, the stat I heard was that like, Gresman has played the last 72 internationals for France. Incredible. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, you could liken Giroud to a, 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 an international record goal scorer who also kind of plays that role of, you know, the way a lot of thoroughbred racehorses, like they, they befriend goats or donkeys that kind of stay in their stable with them. Yeah. He kind of plays that role with Mbappe. He's like, he's there scoring goals, but he's also keeping Mbappe very happy, which is obviously a key thing to do. Like he, he's got two, he's got two tasks there. He's, he's like Mbappe's like kind of um, spirit animal. And he's also, you know, leading the line, which is. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, for someone who is so good looking, he seems to have not much of an ego as well. I mean, it's a, you know. Some, some people are just too too good at stuff, aren't they? It's it's annoying. Yeah. I know he he's long annoyed me that handsome bastard. To be honest with <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> On that note, be, before I end up libeling um, <laughs> or slandering uh, Olivier Giroud out of jealousy, I think we better leave it at that. Um, obviously, you can watch. You didn't Morocco. pin John down on a prediction on whether England would beat France. No. Oh, I didn't, did I? I've obviously not in that game. That's away. a bit vulgar. We we just Go on, John. Do you want? Okay, isn't it? You you want me to okay? You want me to, to make a prediction? Uh, yes, England will beat France. Uh, I say that with my uh, what was it? What was the phrase you used to describe it? John Bull. John Bull. Uh, yeah. That's John Bull. Yeah. With my. <laughs> that's John it. That's, that's why we got you on, John. That's why we got you on. <laughs> yeah. Well, well known as a John Bull character. <laughs> uh, you, you asked me on for my sheer patriotism. Yeah, I. I, I, I there are questions to be asked about that French team, though they are very experienced, but so are the English team. Um, England have have it within them to beat them. I think they have the better players, and I say that when they have Mbappe. But um, stop Mbappe, is that the job done? Not really, but it's a start, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Connor, who's going to win then, seeing as you, you were so From keen? John Bull's other island, I will... Uh... I I have a hunch England will win, but I I wouldn't like to be. I mean, yeah, I I'll go with England, yeah, just about. Okay, I I think France is going to win because you know it'll be it, it feels like, is so dreamy. It feels like a great event, I have to say. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. I think actually, as good as the group stage has been, um, the second round hasn't provided that event no. game just yet, has it? Mm. Um, and we, we've got two matches to go, of course, but. Uh, we, we need that sort of set piece. And uh, I, 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 before I get, I, I speak to a lot of journalists that are out there at the moment, and uh, this thing always amuses me is that they all want the big teams to go through no matter how bad they are. So a lot of them are annoyed that Germany didn't go through when Germany had been absolute rubbish for ages. And so, you know, there's us. We want Morocco to go through for the, the, the health and wealth of the region. Yeah, cynical hacks. Just want England France every week, don't they? <laughs> so what you're saying is on Saturday, whoever wins football will be the real winner. That's absolutely it always is. Okay. Um thank you, John. Thank you, Connor. Watch Morocco, Spain and Portugal, Switzerland on RT two and the RT player tomorrow. And Raf will be back with you here tomorrow for another podcast. So thank you very much. Good luck. Chat to you then.